let's get into the good part of our conversation. Yes. It always happens that way. We get right to the commercial break when something really powerful is being said. And so, uh, you know, it's like when you get to the movie and, and they, they take a commercial break right in the middle of the good part. That's how we feel when these conversations are going forward. So here we are. We're back with uh, Brother Jovan A.G., um, he is a powerful, powerful man, a powerful resource out here in yes. the community. He has wealth of information. And so we're just honored to have him on our show. And he will be back. You will be hearing more from him. Um, we will be sharing his contact information. Um, you know, so stay tuned and uh, look out for the posts and everything like that as we share. Absolutely. But he is someone to know, someone to connect with, connect your church with, all of the above. But you are just in the middle of talking about how churches could, um, you know, kind of start generating wealth from the inside out and creating a plan, having this vision, overarching vision, you know, where now you're 10 years in and you've, you've got X amount of dollars and that's on the minimum, the minimum ask, right? Oh, yeah. So you use the ask number of a hundred dollars, but you could have parishioners that want to give a thousand dollars a month. Maybe they're in position to do mm -hmm. that. Right. Like, so, at minimum, these are the great benefits, you know, and it can only, you know, go as uh, get greater and greater from there if it's done. And I think one of the things that, you know, to kind of maybe put like, um, if you could put a word to it, I'm thinking of like um, consistency, right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times we, we, we have to be consistent on our part. You know, yeah. we have to cons be consistent on our part. Our, our If we're going to have these strategies in place, too, we have to be consistent from the back end and have like business meetings mm -hmm. and, you know, reporting and things like that. Just like your standard organization is going to give different reports of different things. But in the church, for some reason, I've found that a lot of churches do not want to share the financials. They just they just don't. But I think it really could help a church because if it's a situation where you're hurting and you share with your members or person, you know, members, I guess it would be the only ones you share with. But in a business meeting. Um, but sometimes if you share somebody within that congregation, like you said, not just being one everything on one person, but if you have a team or if you have uh, an accountant within your organization or you know, somebody sitting right there in the pews. I remember at my old church, one of um, the deacons actually specialize in finances. Mm. And so when our old pastor said, listen, I want to get this church paid off before I die. I want to see it paid off. I want to deliver that last check. Um, the deacon, actually, they found out that this is what he specialized in, financials and getting books and all these kinds of things. And they got with him. He created an entire vision for getting this, this getting to, to reach this goal. And they surpassed that, um, the, the goal, the, the pay date, they surpassed that and they were able to pay it off a lot quicker. Our pastor was able to realize his dream. They got pictures at the bank, handing over the last check, getting the, mm -hmm. the whole nine, you know, so it was a great accomplishment, but they didn't use just the pastor, you know, pastor was 90 something years old. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. so even he was very wise though. And so he yeah. knew, he knew that God had equipped his church with somebody that could help us reach this long-term goal of ours, this, this, this vision of ours. So I think that, you know, it's important to really kind of hone in on the fact that there's got to be consistency. Um, and there's also got to be uh, a team, you know, like everyone has said, like, there's got to be a team, you know, and mm -hmm. I, I like how you said you can be 
uh, come in for just this one piece, or you can offer to come in and handle kind of like bring in your team, you know, mm -hmm. and, and kind of suggest your specialists and things like that. It takes the pressure off sometimes when um, a leader knows that, you know what, I can just hire this group and have confidence that they're going to take it from there because I can't and I don't have the resources to do it in-house. What a stress relief is that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, think I think your part on transparency is important. Yeah. Um, yeah. because that is part of my opinion of good stewardship, mm -hmm. um, you know, good stewardship isn't, you know, you just blindly trust me because of what my title is. That's right. Um, and so I think that that is part of good stewardship because, you know, there's this, there's this, I think, unspoken tension that exists within you know, the corporate church where exactly what you said, people, you know, may want to give, but then there's a lack of trust. Mm -hmm. Right. Then I feel that you also have faith leaders who this isn't their expertise. And then they're afraid yeah. to give their money to people who they feel may swindle them or may do something wrong with the people's money. But that's the beautiful thing about trans transparency, though. Right. Because when you open up the books and you, you vet people, you then make a definitive decision and say, is you take a Democratic vote. Is this where we want to go? Right? Yeah. We know there's going to be some risk involved. But we're going to hire the professionals to get it done. And, you know, we're going to have faith from that that point forward after we've done our due diligence, um, which is, you know, sometimes another weakness of particularly the black church. You know, we don't always do that due diligence. We don't always do that vetting. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we become too relational. You know, I, I know somebody who does that. OK, right. well, is that somebody the best person for the job? For real. Right. Right. Um, and so and even if we do know somebody, we still got to treat that somebody through a professional interviewing process. Yeah. That's right. You know, even though I may have known you since I was a, a kid, you got to come and show me your resume and your portfolio and show me, you know, how many returns have you successfully um, achieved for your clients? Right. Yeah. That kind of thing. And so we just have to do better, I think, in terms of these spaces and doing what we're talking about. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I want to kind of like switch gears real yeah. quick. You know, uh, it's a lot of stuff that's going on in our nation, in our world. Uh, we've had massacre shootings. We're having uh, debates on law of women's rights. We are, we're having so much chaos and confusion and the rich is getting richer and the poor is getting poorer and all these things. What is the church's responsibility in this? And what I mean is, are we should do we get out there and vote or um, what what is our obligation in this in the grand scheme of things? What would you say that? We as preachers, lay members, whoever, just as a Christian in general in the kingdom, what is our responsibility and how do we go about navigating through this? Yeah, I would say keep us focused. Um, the job of the church is like a good coach. Um, great coaches before the game, during the game, um, and after the game, keep their players focused. Right. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, First of all, well, hopefully they're teaching to keep people focused on something, right? Because right. if I use, the, use a sports analogy, when a coach is keeping a player focused, it's because they've practiced, yeah. they've trained, they have a, a, a sports playbook that they've studied. Now it's time to go out there and execute. Well, that's kind of the analogy of our life, right? Hopefully you, you go to a, a church that's teaching you something. Yeah. Um, you know, in Sunday school, Bible study, service, hopefully it's teaching you something that then you can go use your now empowered to go execute in the world through whatever your vocation may be. Right. Hopefully you're 
serving under a church where the, the word is being made so plain and so applicable to your life, you're effective. Like, let's you know make that assumption. Hopefully that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's if that's happening, then, you know, the pastor's job is to really do that coaching. Sometimes, you know, the coach needs to be hard on you. Yeah. Sometimes there's a software approach that's needed. But whatever it is, the approach is to keep you focused. Uh-huh. Because there could be a lot of distraction. It could be people in the stands making noise. It could be other players taunting you. You could be tired. You know, you could yeah. be doubting yourself. There could be a lot of things pulling at you that can cause you to get off focus. And so, you know, you now bring it back to your question. The world is that playing field, right? And so the world is throwing at you gender wars, right? Race yeah. wars, poor versus rich, nationalism, religious wars. I mean, everybody seems to be feuding these days about something there's just a lot of negativity there's a lot of grumbling there's a lot of murmuring worrying i mean it's just whether it's the gas prices you know water issues democrat republican it's just a lot of negativity constantly being spewed and to me it's the passage i would say first and foremost god still works (laughs) (laughs) right it still works um and whatever it is you want you can have period i don't care if gas was nine dollars an hour whether you know you're getting you're given the money to be able to pay it, or you you get it some other way, right? Yeah. Um, you're still going to be you're not going to be harmed by what's yeah. going on in the economy. So I think it's through all this clamor, someone who can cut through it, articulate it, right? That can kind of give you the signs of the time, but not to scare you, but to just say, hey, look, this is what it is. But this is no different than when people are walking through the red sea and they're looking left to right and seeing the water, right? You know, kind right. of building up, helping you understand what you're seeing. But it's right. not going to fall on you and drown you. Right. Um, and so I think the role of the church is that getting back to and I think we're at a point right now where people are so far off from the base. Yes. I think we've got to get back to fundamentals. And yeah. one of the things I talk about a lot in sports, you know, when you get off, whether it's your shot, when you're shooting in basketball or you're hitting in baseball, when you're off with your technique, what will happen is they'll call it, They'll tell you go back to your basics. Yeah. Why do I keep missing my shot? We keep missing your shot because your elbow's out a little bit. You need to tuck it back in. Yeah. Well, the same is true. So, you know, why I'm off? Okay. Are you reading your word? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you praying? What are you listening to? Who Who are you listening to? Right. Yeah. What are you talking about? So sometimes you got to pull back. Yeah. Right. So you can get back to your fundamentals and then reemerge once you're kind of back on track and you're solid and you're tight right. in your routine. But to me, that you talk about the role of the church and the pastor, it's that. So the pastor is to kind of be the coach. I believe that, you know, the parishioners, the lay people are the ones supposed to be encouraging each other, holding each other accountable. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, again, still be focused, though, on where are we going? Yeah. So it's one thing to focus on playing your role. But if we're still not focused on, OK, how many points do we got to get tonight? How are we defining success? Yeah. 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 Right. And I think that's, again, going back to our prior question. That's where I think the church sometimes is is not as strong as it should be. Is mm-hmm. what is it we're striving for? Why am I paying tithes and offering? What, what, I don't see the fruits of the labor. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So then it feels like we're going in. The game was supposed to be four quarters, and it feels like we're paying ten quarters in the game. It, like, when do we ever win? When do we win? Yeah. Something, right? What's what's the milestones? And so, in, in not having that kind of clarity or definitiveness, people are becoming faint. They're losing yeah. faith. Mm-hmm. Because what happened is I've been given to this thing for 10, 15, 20 years. Now COVID hits. Mm-hmm. This thing I've been given to all this time. I've never seen one house built. Yeah. And now when it's time for us, they're telling us to go to government to get yeah. help. But when it's time for you to need help, you came to us. 
Yeah. But now we can't go back to you. That's that's a toxic relationship. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. A healthy relationship is one where there's reciprocity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can feed me. I can feed you. Yeah. A toxic relationship is when there's only one side doing all the feeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And too many of our church relationships have become that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely, man. I think. I mean, that's right on it. I mean, yeah. that's one thing me and my wife were talking about is that you know, COVID really showed us how vulnerable a lot of the churches were. Whereas, well, people tithe to a church 20, 30 years. And when things get shut down, that church is not getting groceries and not helping. But they tell me, like you said, going to the government, we have missed the mark somewhere. Because in Acts, the people gave to the church and the church made sure that nobody that gave went with lack. And yeah. so we're missing the mark. And so I, I really appreciate that because me and my wife were just talking about that during the whole COVID thing. And you have people, churches fighting. Well, you ain't got enough faith if you ain't coming to church. You know, God, we don't need. And then you have pastors say, no, we need to be home, be safe. And so it's so much divisiveness within the church. Mm-hmm. I, I just was thinking, you know, the world is just acting like the world should act. Like we all know how the world should act. It's us <laughs> who ain't acting how we need to be acting. And so I think the light got turned on inside the church and, and showed us areas that we have to improve on if we're going to be able to be that answer and be that light of the world that God has called us to be. Yeah. We got to become okay with the, with the hard conversations. That's yes. right. You know, I've never been one to reject or run from being told about myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that I've been able to accomplish many of the things and think the way that I do because I'm what you would call coachable. Mm-hmm. And you can coach me hard, right? It may not feel good. You know, I may push back a little bit. And, uh, you know, I may even snap back. I may say, hey, you got to say it like that. It's true, but you ain't got to say it like that, right? <laughs> kind of thing, but... <laughs> But uh, but at the end of the day, I thirst for truth mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I realize betterment only resides on the other side of truth. Yeah. So we can't desire better, but not desire truth. Yeah. Right. And so I think that we have to that goes back to the fundamentals of teaching. Yes. We have to teach people you can't be comfortable and grow. Yeah. We have to teach people you can't be better as a person, but not love truth. We, we, yeah. The two things are inconsistent. But if we're not teaching that. If we're teaching people that somehow, you know, God and Jesus is truly a savior, right? I think about these poems and these songs that we've written. You know, one of the ones I think about when I was a child was, you know, foot, foot, footprints in the sand. Uh-huh. And it said, when I was tired, he carried me. Uh-huh. That's that's a flawed theology, right? Because when you think about it, when you think about all the supernatural endeavors, God never came down and, and physically carried anyone anywhere. To right. your point earlier about noses. No, it was revelation. He was empowered, but Noah had to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. When you talk about the supernatural ability of walking on water, which was maybe one of the most miraculous supernatural things that we saw outside of Jesus. The other 11 didn't experience it because they didn't physically get up and do what Peter did. That's right. That's the truth. Jesus didn't just wipe, wipe his hand and they, then they all elevated and then all got on the water with Peter. No, Peter actually physically got up and did something. Yeah. Yeah. But when we're having these fantasy poems and these songs that aren't theologically aligned with Christian, that's why that that goes to that bad teaching. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now we have, you know, essentially made Jesus and Christianity a crutch versus an empowerment tool that can only work if you do something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dieting only works if you do something. Yeah. Right. Power is an action thing. 
you know, I always say, you know, yes, knowledge is power, but applied knowledge is power. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just like, a, you know, weapons aren't dangerous if they're just laying dormant. Yeah. They yeah. themselves aren't inherently dangerous. They become dangerous once you put them into use. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. No, that's, that's good. good. Stuff. I mean, because it's like we over here praying God come change the world. And God was like, no, like you, I've empowered you to get up and go be the change. You know, and it's like we're waiting for somebody else to come do it. And God is looking at us like, no, I'm giving you the power to go out and, do the, and be the change and do it. And so, man, I feel that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I know you could preach a whole sermon. With- <laughs> I might have to take that one. When, 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 when. <laughs> and I think we and, and we have to be honest. I mean, a lot of this is cultural, right? So we yeah, had absolutely. Earlier, you know, the black absolutely. church. Absolutely. One of the problems with the black church are black people, yes. and we were done a number on in this country. You know, yeah. when we talk about yeah. relationships, we have a toxic relationship with this country. That's yeah. right. Right, and so you know, when you talk about unfortunately things that have seeped into the church. Slavery has seeped into the church, yeah. right? particularly the black church. Yeah. So you take this slavery mindset, this slavery mentality, this slavery teaching, this slavery theology, and then you wonder why Jesus is a savior. Yeah. Because you don't want to be encouraged to actually have a Jesus that's going to make you powerful. You want to have a Jesus that's going to come and save you at some point after toiling, you know, 90 years on this plantation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And that's we true. see it and we see it, you know, every Sunday, I, I, you know, when I when I teach, I tell people, you're not supposed to go up to the altar every Sunday with the same problem. Mm-hmm. That's that's not theologically aligned. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to go once, pray for it. And then everything after that is believing. That's yeah. Now, right. if you go to the altar afterwards, it should be for strength. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But you're not praying to solve it. It's already done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really, you don't need to go to the altar. But if you feel you need to go, you go once to stand in the gap with someone to help you. But after that, it's just the strength to believe on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. But it'll never work if you keep going to the altar because that in of itself is inherently disbelief. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And right? there's so many not- people that, that, like Vaughn always said, you know, sometimes people get kind of addicted to the altar. Mm. But what would happen if there was a time when there was no altar call? Are yeah. you saying that this is the only time that you can physically get up and and feel something from God. God has the power to change our lives wherever we are. That's right. But I like what you said about we have to apply. It's about the application. You know, they have all kinds of Bibles out there, but I love the study Bibles with the life application components Mm. in it because Mm. it breaks it down into like real time things that we can understand. But but application is what causes us to be changed. It was is what is empowering disciples to follow Christ. It's the application of his teachings. And of, like you said, going back to basics, going back to fundamentals of discipleship, fundamentals of outreach, fundamentals of evangelism. You know what I mean? Like everything goes back to fundamentals. And, you know, if, if our resolve is in my mind, I think that, you know, I'm still struggling with, you know, uh, maybe alcoholism. So I'm gonna just go to the altar every single Sunday. And when I get up from the altar every single Sunday, a couple hours later, I'm still struggling, right? Because something hasn't been applied in me somewhere. I haven't accepted something. I haven't acknowledged. I haven't submitted 100%, right? Somewhere along those lines. And so my comfort zone is like the Israelites. Uh, Moses, why did you bring us out here? We were better off as slaves, right? I'm better off doing what I know to do to survive. I'm better off in my alcoholism state 
right? Because I know how to live there, but I don't know how to live free. You know, a lot of a lot of times people just there there there's a fear. You know, there's a discomfort. I mean, some people are are living in a situation and don't want to be healed because they get paid. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's yeah. all kinds of things. But I like what you said about uh, the application piece. You know, that's really what's gonna you know physically. Peter had to get up and go out and do yeah. something. Everybody else could look around. You could say what you say, but he's the one who actually applied. At least the thought that okay, I'm gonna at least be strong enough to step out. Yep. What happens after that, I don't know, but I'm gonna try, right? And what you used the word a few minutes ago—that's key. You talked about freedom, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, in terms of many of our experiences in this country, we were taught very well how to be slaves for yes. 100 plus years. And you know, when you think about you know the last 150 year experience, we weren't still taught how to be free. Right? That's right. It's kind of just released. It's like letting a kid leave home, but they haven't been properly taught. What does it now mean to be independent? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's our experience today. And I would say we're still trying to figure it out. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, like I say, there was just a number done on, on us in our minds. So much of what we deal with is conditioning of mindsets. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I think if you mm -hmm. sort of talk about, you know, the church's role and the foundation of it, Christ solely came to change mindsets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you are healed. Get up and walk in it. Yeah. yeah. The, Literally. the promise resides on the other side of a shift right. mindset, which is mm -hmm. why, you know, when he opened up his ministry to your point earlier, Vaughn, the first thing, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yeah. yeah. Change your mindset. It's here if you want it. Yeah. 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 That's all I'm saying. Even as one person, he says, but do you even want to be made whole? Mm. Like, do you want to be made whole? I mean, he had the power to say, pick up your bed and walk. Yeah, just go. But he addressed something. He said, like, but do you even want to? be made whole and, and i think that speaks to a lot of us in some areas of our life is like over here i, I trust god but over here i don't know if i want to let that crutch go i don't know if i want and and god is asking us like do you want to be made whole like we have to take our personal accountability and say you know what lord yes i want to be made whole and whether it be financially emotionally spiritually physically we have yeah. to be able to take that responsibility and say, yes, you know what, Lord, I want to be made whole, but that means I have to be pers take personal accountability in some things and say, you know, I recognize my part. Okay, God, now I've given it to you and you do the rest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, what I, and what I call what you're talking about on the promise, I always say that each and every one of us has been given a promise. There's something that has been birthed in our stomach, right? It, it resides in your core and you feel it. Yeah. Some of us are a little bit better. We begin more clarity to be articulate. We want to do like there's little kids who say, I want to be a doctor when I grow up and they end up being a doctor. Right? Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. the, whatever was promised them, whatever was given, they have that clarity. Yeah. Then there are some of us and I put myself in the, this camp is you kind of have to figure it out through deduction. Yeah. Try a lot of different things. You're like, mm, I don't really like that. That isn't right fit. Right. I know I was meant to do something greater. I know I was meant to have a certain type of lifestyle, but I wasn't given one thing that is that clear. Yeah. Right. But whatever it is, it it's the promise you got to really say, do you want, right? Yeah. And when you lean in and say you want that promise, you know, using your example earlier, Israelites, you're going to, you're not going to let the bad reports, yeah. right? The people right. went and said right. they saw something yeah. and you chose to believe them versus Caleb and Joshua. You're yeah. not, you're not going to let them get you all the way out here after leaving <laughs> Egypt and then be denied the promise because of a bad report. That means you just didn't really want your promise. And that's yeah. another message that we can't let other people who aren't given our promise or who didn't maybe hear or see the same things we did distract us from our own promise. Yeah, that's now it. That's, yeah. Now that's yeah. it. Now that, 
We need to raise somebody. We I know, we need to raise. <laughs> but that's true, though, because we get people will talk you out of your own promise. Like, and we accept it. Yeah, and that's why you have to. And that's why you have to be careful. To the earlier point about even feeling like you sometimes need to go to an altar or go to another human being, um, if they haven't necessarily been provoked or urged themselves to give you a word. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Because right. sometimes what's for you is only for you and the person, God, who gave it to you. And sometimes we then, because of that that word used earlier, comfort, we need to get validation from some other physical thing. Yeah. To affirm to say. What are your thoughts on if I was to do this? Well, right. that was never what was told for you to go gauge. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. no, uh -huh. for real. And then they give you the opinion that you solicited, and now you believe yeah, it, and yeah. it, it don't even align with what it is you should be doing. Exactly. I want to take a pause right here and have you kind of share your contact information for AG Global Solutions. We're gonna, we can continue the conversation. Y'all going to have to catch the rest of this conversation on our podcast, but I'm going to have you share... Um, your contact information in like 30 seconds, 60 seconds or less. And then we're going to continue this conversation for our podcast. Yeah, no, I thank you both for your time. I mean, you know, we always have great conversations when we get together. Yes, we Simplest way to find me is go to my website at www.agglobal.com. That is spelled A-G-E-E -E, global.com. Perfect. Thank you. Yes, and I, absolutely. If and um, also hit me up. I can also connect you to his website, uh, contact information, stuff like that. He is a great resource for every leader, every church, every mm -hmm. business. Uh, he is a great asset in the kingdom. So get connected. Get connected. Get connected. Okay, so we can join him right back into our discussion because uh, y'all need to go download the podcast and hear the rest yeah. of it. So we encourage you to do that. But we're gonna continue talking for. A little bit longer because we got into we got to get into this concept of power right you talked about that you talked about and even through these different you know the way the conversations kind of shifted um you know it's a good place to tie it in because um i was looking at one of your posts the other day and i thought it was so powerful what you said uh, i don't know if you came up with it or or what but i thought it was powerful and you were talking about power and i'm gonna just read what you said power is not just about having relationships access money influence and knowledge it is understanding what to do with them that is power power is rooted in understanding understanding equals gift from god plus mastering your craft what inspired you to to push that and to talk about that yeah so sometimes you know i i, I said muhammad ali on purpose sometimes i, I feel like i get in trouble because i just want to say what's on my heart <laughs> and i've been very restrained I would say probably, you know, the good portion of my career because, you know, I'm a strategist. Mm -hmm. And as a good strategist, sometimes you overanalyze things because you're looking at what the ramifications of what you say do could be on yourself, others who you're associated with. But um, I've chosen, you know, really this year to become a little bit more unbridled, to just speak it how it comes to me. And so that was something that just came to me. And, um, you know, I just released it. So. So, yeah, it's an authentic quote. I mean, I, I didn't hear from anywhere. Um, it's just what I have uh, formulated myself through experiences and through little sound bites. I kind of just put it all together. But understanding to me is, is huge because I think we have a lot of people that um, are seeking knowledge. We live in a creative economy, mm -hmm. um, whether we realize it or not. Um, we are, you know, in a, in a much um, seasoned digital age, but the creative economy is really governing that digital age. The digital age now is a tool for those who are creative. Mm 
Mm -hmm. I mean, look at what we're talking about, right? You're reaching people all across the globe um, sitting in one static location Uh and probably will never meet those people, right? Right. Um, But that is creativity that is using digital technology Mm -hmm. um, to get it out. So I would say that the understanding for me is huge because you have a lot of people that are, like I said, seeking knowledge. They're getting it from all various sources. Today, we have that, that privilege of access to information. But without the understanding is why, again, going back to how we open this conversation, our outcomes aren't what they should be. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. If we think about just sometimes even our own families, we have our ancestors who are more effective than us in some ways at home ownership, yeah. <laughs> you know, maintaining homes, families yeah. with a lot less to work with than we did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it's because they had understanding or we call it, you know, wisdom, old, like whatever we want to call that is basic common sense knowledge yeah. <laughs> how to say the right thing at the right time. Well, that's understanding. And so the reason why I say that's part gift from God, because some of it is right. Some of us are what the old folks may call touched. Right. That we have. It seems like we have this higher and greater understanding that most people seem to be walking around. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I would say that's situational. It may be particular to, to medicine. It may be particular to electronical things. So it's not a universal thing. It may be situational, um, particularly to the sector industry you may be in. But it is a gift. Yeah. Right. And so that's half of it. But then the other half of it is what do you do with that gift to attain? Because there's a lot of people who have. I would say somewhat similar backgrounds myself. You know, they grew up in low income communities, may have grown up in a single parent household like myself, may have been in the space the same amount of time as myself. But we don't package what we do the same way. Mm-hmm. And what people don't realize is, you know, the first 10 years of my career, I, I literally probably went to n- none of the social mixes afterward. You know, one of the big things in my space is you go to all these mixers and these political fundraisers and all this stuff. You know, because that's the social part. That's the fun part of the work. What I would do is literally, you know, work from about nine to five. I would then, you know, go eat dinner. And then I would do a put in about another two hours just learning about the industry that I'm in, yeah. understanding the market in which my industry resides. Yeah. Right. Then looking at historical context to say, OK, I'm living in a in a in a, a window of time. I'm living in a in a snapshot of time. What happened ten years prior to this moment? Mm-hmm. What happened ten years prior to that moment? Because what that will give you is what we call trends. It will or nothing's new under the sun, kind of thing, yeah. right? So then you, you you keep doing that after you know eighteen and a half now nineteen years, and you build a repository of information about people, places, and things, right? And it that mashing of your craft. It allows for you to understand things just through doing that simply revelation alone can't give you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. a way that you can talk about. So a lot of what we know about Peter is he has a boldness about him. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's an understanding of boldness that he gets that is a God's gift. But then he still had to apply that the application piece. He had to then get out and do and touch this relationship that he said he wanted to have. And so when we talk about this, what we're talking about is we want a relationship with it. Something Mm -hmm. we talk about power. That means we want a relationship with our external things in a way that where we're in control. That's all that power is about. Power is simply saying that we want a relationship with, with whatever it is, a person, money, our, ourselves, right. Where we are in control. Yeah. Because Mm. the opposite means you don't have power. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) So in order to have, you know, power, which is, I mean, we want to have dominion over these things. Mm-hmm. Then part of it is we first have to understand which is the gift of God that we can. Yeah, that's the understanding that we can have it. Mm-hmm. Then we have to master to say, okay, well, if I want to have a harvest, I have to understand seasons. I have to understand soil. I have to understand right. water treatment. Yeah. That's to then master your crap. It's not just enough to say that I have dominion over these crop. I have yeah. dominion over that's these right. animals. I can have dominion over. <laughs> these. You got to go then understand the science behind yeah. effectively doing yeah. and producing these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that I, because a lot of times it's true. Like, you know, we get a great idea or something we we like to do or want to do. And and we just go and, and just, you know, just go running with it. And we don't really take the time to understand, you know, some of the interworkings and the background and the historical context. Like you talk about, you know, we don't we don't learn it. And so then it dies. Right. Like, me, I'm, I'm, I know that I'm not a plant person, right? But mm-hmm. I will try. I have tried to have a plant in my house, but I need the type of plant that doesn't need to be consistently watered, right? Mm-hmm. This is something that I've invested my time and knowledge and understanding that I need something that's convenient for my lifestyle. So I need, I need like a succulent, right? Because they don't need a whole bunch of treatment. They don't need yeah. to be cared for in a lot of ways. But that's something that if I was, you know, a uh, into gardening or into kind of growing a plant up to like these big stalks and all these things, you know, I could say, oh my God, God gave me dominion over everything. So I should be able to grow this plant, but it's dying on me every day. It's getting worse and worse. It's like, no, you have to actually put in work or you have to, either way, you got to learn, right? You got to learn, you got to have the historical context. You got to learn some background. You got to get some fundamentals about what it is that you're trying to to invest in, what you're trying to grow, um, you know, getting like you, I like how you talked about access. I deal with a lot of people that um, are trying to get access to information, mm-hmm. and through some of those conversations, I'm finding that they don't want access to this particular information to be able to invest it back into what they're trying to do. They're trying to get this information and go tell somebody else about it, right? But at the same time, they're trying to grow in in part A, but they're not investing that information in part A, right? They're Mm -hmm. not applying this knowledge in part A and and they're being shut down and they're saying, oh, it's because I'm black. Oh, it's because, (laughs) you know, it's because, no, it's because you got the info. It's just you didn't apply it for you. It's because you're un, un or understudied. Exactly. Yeah. Unstudied yeah. or understudied. Exactly. You, like, you, gotta, you, invest you, you, got to. you, you gotta, gotta invest in yourself. You gotta invest in the thing that that it, things that are important to you. Like you said, it's a relationship. And, and it goes back you, earlier too to what I was saying about um I don't like to use the word agenda because technically we all should have an agenda in a way. We yeah. should have a plan. Yeah. But in the context of which I'm using it, I'm using it in a way where people are being honest. They're telling right. the truth. Mm-hmm. And so if people just want to get rich quick scheme. That's right. Or if they just want to do something quick to get it out the door, they should just be honest about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But if you truly want quality program, that's going to take a different approach. That's right. And I always say actions speak louder than words, which is why I said that when I engage, you asked me earlier about, you know, how do I go in and be an architect for the church? That's why I go and I listen. Because mm-hmm. I listen first to see if I even want to take on this job, this client. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you could say a whole lot of stuff, but after me having about 
two to three sit downs with you, I'm going to be able to see after a while, okay, that's not really what you want. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is going to be a headache because, you know, you're not even being honest with yourself. So you're not going to be honest with me or anybody else. Right. Right. But to the examples of what you talked about earlier, the history, I'm going to give you two examples. That, and it, it's very insightful in terms of where we're at. So the first is in my professional work, right? You look at party politics. Mm-hmm. And in California, you look at someone like a Willie Brown, who is arguably, you know, one of the most prominent and arguably most powerful elected officials probably ever served in the state. Mm-hmm. And people who don't understand politics don't even understand he became speaker of the assembly because he had Republican support. Mm-hmm. The first time he tried to run, become the speaker, he lost because Democrats from Southern California were actually blocking the vote. He then devised a strategy the second time he ran, and he knew that there was a handful of Democrats that were going to vote for him. So he worked with Republicans to go get the votes, Mm. which is how he became the speaker. Mm -hmm. Uh So when you look at many other examples where there have been successful political outcomes, it's been through cross-party collaborations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you have these people come to the industry today. It's like, I hate Democrats. I hate Republicans. You got all these sound bites. <laughs> and again, and again, that's an agenda, right? Because if you're trying to sell news, yeah, if you're trying to sell newspapers, that works. Yep. Because it's, it's shock television, right? Sensationalism. Yeah. But if you want to be effective and run program, that's not how it works in the real world. It works mm-hmm. through collaboration mm-hmm. Yeah. on the theological side. When we talk about Jesus's life, right, and we talk about the problems with the church, well, if we understand the history, he had problems with the church, elders. Sure yeah. did, yeah. And if we're being honest, the reason why we're talking about a ministry today and, you know, the, the resurrection is because it was the church who conspired with government, not vice versa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To ultimately yep. lead him to his demise. So, again, if we understand history and we understand there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. He had problems with church elders in the corporate church. And so we shouldn't be dismayed and bothered by the fact that we're still having problems with them as well. Absolutely. Right. Right. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I just so appreciate this conversation. It's been great. Yeah. Um, I, I know definitely, you know, we could, we could go on and on yeah. forever about these kind of things, especially dealing with all of these topics, but um, is there anything, any last closing remarks, anything you want to touch on before we um, go out of here? for today's session, anything on your heart that you want to share? Um, I know you've been sharing different things on your Facebook regarding um, like the upcoming elections and things like that, but I want to give you some time to just share. Yeah, I think to me, I think the biggest takeaway on this, um, because I can be so matter of fact, I think in terms of my approach and the things that I say, but really what I want to leave people is that I'm, I'm very hopeful. Mm-hmm. So in all that I say, I'm very hopeful and I'm very hopeful because no matter what it is, where there's a promise on the end of it. And I like to talk about the promise because, again, we're, we were all given a promise. When you look at who receives the promise, it's always a select few. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a select few that make it to professional sports. There's a select few that make it to academic excellence. There's a select few to make it to career excellence. But even when you look at the theological side, there's a select few. We call them the remnant. Uh Uh Right. So there's always going to be a select few, the 10 percent or less (laughs) who are going to operate in this excellence. And so I'm hopeful and I just want to remind people that they shouldn't be dismayed because of what the majority is doing. The majority is doing what the majority has always done. It's to be mediocre. It's to not do what they were supposed to do. And so we should just know that we're a part of this human cycle that has been going on for thousands of years. 
And so, but I truly believe that for those of us who get it today and what we call it creative, I believe that we're closer now to the promise than ever. Uh-huh. I believe that we are our ancestors' dreams. And I believe that we're able to have these kind of conversations because we have a macro view. Mm-hmm. And so I would just say, I think for those of us that are, are nodding our heads when listening to this, want to know more about it, just know that there are people like those on this call and in this interview um, who are your tribe, right? Who are your brethren yeah. and sister? Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, a lot of things that we've been talking about in our lifetimes, at least, I believe that we're going to actually see the fruits of it. I mean, you look at the wealth that's being created in our communities. I mean, you look at some of the things that people never thought of from effective pastors and effective the things they're doing, you know, owning movie studios and things. Yeah. But we yeah. are, you know, our ancestors' wildest wild dreams. So, you know, we're not the the the, the 40 year wanderers, yeah. right? We're the folks that are actually going in and going to enjoy the promise. Now, I believe we're in a moment of time is are you going to be the remnant or are you going to be the other 63,000? But I believe we are we are now coming into the promised land. It's up to us to decide which are we going to be. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. That was good. That was yeah. good. Any anything else, Vaughn? Man. I don't want I don't want <laughs> to be here another hour, but I do want to say thank you for your time, man. It's yeah. always a pleasure to have you. Just your wisdom, mm-hmm. the depth of your revelation, the insight that you have. It's always a blessing when God puts people in your life that are trailblazers. You know, like I wasn't around with Martin Luther King, and <laughs> I, I got to watch it on TV and certain different things. I don't know T.D. Jakes. I ain't never met him. But when God gives you somebody as equal, as influential, at revelation and depth and powerful, you got to take time and acknowledge that. And you, for me, my brother, is that representation. Like, it's a privilege and honor to know you, your ministry. I watch you from afar. We text. We hang out here and there. But just know that your time and everything that you poured into me, um, I, do, I really do appreciate it. Yeah, no, and likewise, I mean, the feeling is mutual. You know, I was fortunate enough to meet you both individually and now seeing you guys as a collective as a force. I think what you're doing is beautiful. Um, and I would just continue to encourage you both to continue to feed, feed each other. Um, you know, politics, it's about compound. And if, if as powerful as you are an individual, when you come together, then that's what that biblical ap- application talks about, where two or more gathered. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what, you're, what you all are doing, whether you know it or not, in science, we call it combustion. That is when two opposing forces come together and create something greater than it could individually. And so that's what I see in what the two of you are doing. So I always appreciate, you know, being around you and seeing what you're doing. Amen. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Amen. Thank you. I received that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we will. um, We we enjoyed this conversation. So uh, y'all catch us on the podcast, download it, share it with a friend. This is not a conversation that anybody should miss. Um, again, you can continue to follow us week after week, listen to us and be listening for what's coming because we got some new things that are coming. We're going to have a featured hour and yes. we're going to be featuring a lot of different people during that time. So uh, be listening for that and stay connected with us as you already do. Have a great week, everyone. All right.